Here we go. Today is Sunday, November 3rd, 2019, and this is episode 239 of the Defensive Security Podcast. My name is Jerry Bell, and joining me tonight, as always, is Mr. Andrew Kellett. Good evening, Jerry. How are you, sir? I'm great. The good question is, how are you? I'm doing good. Cruising along within sight of the end of my medical challenges, in a good way. That's great news, yeah. So, maybe another... A couple of weeks, and I'll have one more surgery, and a couple of weeks after that, I'll be hopefully pretty much back to normal. That's great news. Awesome. So just in uh, just in time for the holidays, so that should be good. Indeed. Then you get to go back to work, so. Yeah. <laughs> if they'll have me back, but I think they will. Yeah. I hope they will. Well, somewhere, I, I mean. <laughs> yeah. 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 Even Otherwise, if it's at Walmart, yeah. I'll be, I'll be uh, <laughs> trolling on the Twitters and the LinkedIn, I'm sure. That's right. So anyhow, I am transitioning back into kind of a normal normal routine. So let, let couldn't do last week because of uh, po- post-travel blues, I guess <laughs> I'll, I'll call it. Your work is very demanding. It It is. It is. Um, but, you know, that's what they pay me for, and, and it's, uh, it's kind of fun. So... Um, let's see, just a couple of, couple of things to start, start off with, um, you know, the normal reminder that the thoughts and opinions we express on the show are ours and do not represent those of my employer or Andy's cats. Or maybe they do. I don't, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't quizzed them all individually on some of these topics. (laughs) And then, uh, um, just another thank you out, out to all of our Patreon donors appreciate absolutely all of you. you guys are awesome and uh yeah so with that we'll we'll jump into uh some stories i i, I continue to have uh some some network challenges over here so we got to get this thing done while it while it works so i can get a kid from down the street to come help you. yeah i seriously i i, I need somebody like that <laughs> figure this technology stuff out for me all right uh first story comes from security fairs and the title is uh, Imperva explains how hackers stole AWS API key and access to customer data. So, you know, th- there's uh, not an incredible amount of detail in this story, but the the long and the short of it is that Imperva, who had a, um, I think it's been renamed now, but they had this uh, content delivery network service called Encapsula, which was intended to help um, uh, mitigate the impacts of DDoS. Well, attacks. it was also... A cloud WAF, so it meant it, it was good. It does more than just DDoS. It does well. So it's kind of like uh, Cloudflare, I guess, right? Yeah, yeah. It's. It, I mean, Imperva has a really good um, web application firewall offering that they've had for years. This is them migrating it to cloud and sort of hands-off uh, options for their customers. Ah, got it, got it. So, um, so as you as you mentioned, they were moving. Uh, to the cloud as everybody else is. And back in 2017, apparently they created a, uh, what, what I assumed to be a test environment and they 
took a snapshot of their database at the, their customer database at the time and their production. The, yeah, their production data database. I mean, because nobody for a test. Let's just be clear. I mean, look, you know, if it's going to work with test data, you know, it should work with production data. So, why not just go with the production data? Well, I'll tell you why not. The rest of the story. <laughs> so, so, um, so yeah, the, it it's a little unclear exactly what happened, but this. Um, the story seems to indicate that the environment that was set up as as a as a test bed for their migration to cloud was never taken down and was subsequently hacked and in the process of that hack the the, the adversary obtained an API key which allowed them to download uh, the database so basically all of the Encapsula customers prior to September 2015 I had their email addresses. 2015, in, 2017. Sorry. Yep. September 15, 2017. Good, good catch. Uh, had their email addresses and hashed and salted passwords uh, stolen. So, I mean, not, not the, uh, the most horrific breach we've seen by, by any stretch, but it, it kind of highlights something that I've seen a, a fair amount uh, especially in in the mad rush to cloud, and and that is you know in in um, I I, I kind of go back to days gone by right with with uh, developers and you know security policies and whatnot being fairly lax when it comes to development environments, and you know and and you kind of get away with it way back then when the development environments were kind were buried inside your your company's network and you know, in, in uh, multiple levels of firewalls. And, you know, obviously those never fully worked the way they were intended to. But now we have these development environments just sitting straight out on the internet. And there's really no reason for them to be treated as anything other than production because, I mean, for all intents and purposes, they are. Yeah, one of the takeaways that Imperva mentioned is that they will now do a better job of auditing and deleting uh basically uh, no longer needed instances and uh, decommissioning inactive compute instances. What they don't explain at all in either their blog post or the article that references it is the internal compute instance that was created that they were doing these tests on is what got compromised. Mm -hmm. They don't in any way explain how it got compromised. They just say it was accessible from the outside world and it contained an AWS API key that gave access. I would like to know how that compute instance got compromised, but they don't tell us at all. No, they don't. I mean, I, I, I presume it's either through some some bad, you know, SSH password, or there was some, you know, some uh, kind of crappy vulnerability, or even I kind of wonder if there's some, um, you know, some Capital One style vulnerability where they were able to capture the API key from a misconfigured, uh, I mean, ironically, <laughs> misconfigured WAF. That could be. It uh, doesn't, doesn't seem to indicate that, but the, the mean, way they found out hyperbole. is also kind of interesting. Yeah. Go ahead. They, they uh, on August 20th, 2019, they received uh, a portion of the data set from a third party who requested a bug bounty for the find. They don't, they don't, say whether or not they paid anything out on the bug bounty, but the way this kind of indicates is seems not, but they don't say. Right. Right. 
unsolicited bug bounties are usually not don't work very well. Yeah, and they also uh, are very careful to say that this was not a vulnerability or weakness in their cloud WAF product. This was something else entirely. Yeah, we just don't know what though. Uh, so so anyway, it, it, I think that this was interesting in two dimensions. One, it's a security company, but you know, keep in mind security companies are often like in security and security companies are often like the cobbler's kids not having shoes. I mean, that's the one, you know, one thing to, to realize, uh, because to the management of a, of a security company, the, the company's security product takes care of every single security problem you can imagine. And, and so you know, oftentimes you end up with, uh, bad hygiene in other areas. I don't know anything about, uh, Imperva. So, uh, but I, I do know a lot about other companies and it seems like a pretty consistent uh, consistent theme. But the other dimension that was interesting to me, like I said earlier, is there's a clearly a mad rush to the cloud and, and lots of good reasons, as we've talked about in the past. But I am really concerned about the trends I'm seeing in terms of, um, you know, of, of kind of managing the environments that get set up in cloud. It's really easy to set up and then just abandon uh, environments. And this seems to be what happened in this particular case. And, um, you know, in, in the in the whole rush to zero trust and whatnot, we, we kind of are, 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 I think, implicitly taking this position that, you know, you the inventory of systems that you have matters less because now you're defining the perimeter around things much more narrowly. And so... Um, this, but this kind of highlights why that's not, you know, it's not a, a, a full picture. So you got still got work to do. Actually, I'd say you have more work to do in some areas than others. Yeah. That, the Imperfect blog post uh, that's linked in the article also has some interesting takeaways that are worth reviewing um, on your own if you want to. I don't know that we want to go over all of them here, but what they changed in their process and controls that they changed are a lot of sort of best practices for managing cloud instances as well. Uh, you know, enabling SSO, multi-factor auth, routine pen tests, uh, do analysis, uh, enabling the controls within AWS like CloudTrail and GuardDuty and ingesting those logs into a SIM and setting up appropriate alerts on those logs and alerts and all sorts of interesting stuff that is important but but again a new skill set that they may not have known and uh, so it's worth reading if you're working in aws or equivalents in google or azure or your cloud provider of choice yeah, exactly exactly so um yeah so that's so that's that uh either, again the reason i was interested in bringing this up i i, I really am seeing and feeling personally uh, um, a lot of this going wrong right just a lot of organizations are not doing a great job here and it's going to get worse you know there's there's a there's a lot of stuff being set up and it's not being in in aws and other clouds and it's not being done well and and over time this this sort of stuff is just going to keep leaking out and um you know i i implore you please 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 get this stuff under control do you think maybe we can um, ask the county password inspectors to 
add cloud architecture investigation to their duties? Hey, that's a great idea. Like the actually, I would put that into like the the building code inspector. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, the the, the county password inspector comes around more often. That well, that's true. That's a good point. But I, I he's like, already he or she is already pretty overworked with bad passwords, so might be a lot to ask. True. True. All right. So let's move on to our next story. This one comes from Ars Technica, and the title is The Count of Managed Service Providers Getting Hit with Ransomware Mounts. Um, it, this is probably no major surprise, but uh, in particular, this article points out over the past year, there's been a bunch of... Uh, managed service providers is probably not the right term, but different types of software as a service and and other, other types of providers have been... Uh, kind of systematically hit and affected by different types of ransomware. And they, they point out a, you know, a, a bunch of different instances ex- like um, Bill Trust, which is a, a, you know, an outsourced invoicing company. Then there were School Insights and TrialWorks and MetroList and a, a pediatrics organization in Louisiana and then there were a couple of actual what I would consider IT managed IT providers, and you know it's it's um, it's interesting because the, when these organizations get hit, it's not just that organization that gets impacted. And so you know, whereas if uh, you know if a small smaller medium sized business gets impacted by ransomware and they're a, you know they make widgets or whatever, it's it's not really. Uh, big news, but as you know, as more and more IT gets outsourced into different, you know, kind of best of breed services, service providers like this, you know, when one of those companies gets hit, it, it you know, is very recognizable. It's, it, it creates a big impact in the industry. And I think that's what we're starting to see more of. And, and as well, you know, a lot of these, these service providers are competing on, on, uh, on profit margin. And so they're, Maybe not doing everything they should be doing security wise and you know and then then stuff like this happens so um you know, th- there's not a not an incredible amount of um, actionable detail, but I did want to talk about this because I think um you know we've seen in the past things like uh, apt ten aka cloud hopper and some other or you know some other types of adversaries that were really targeting. Uh, manage service providers and cloud service providers trying to use it as kind of one-stop shopping. And there's no evidence, by the way, that this any of the organizations hit and referenced in this article, you know, were hit because they were a service provider. Uh, but that's not to say that you know we're not going to see that trend um, you know, starting to happen. Yeah, it, it, you know, we've got a concentration of risk when we start. Uh, Using and, and I think more and more often people are going to be using these. It just makes too much sense to to go, you know, to outsource to software as a service. So, but that opens you up to both supply chain attack and concentration of risk. So, in my mind, does it make sense to perhaps war game out what happens if our payroll provider gets ransomware and is shut down for three weeks? Do we have a plan, or is that such a low probability risk? that we're not going to spend resources on that, et cetera, et cetera, right? I mean, different companies 
have different availability to spend time on these things. And you've got to make a determination of what's the likelihood of this risk with my finite amount of resources. Do I want to come up with a plan to address this low likelihood risk? Or is this an existential threat if this were to happen? And I deem it a medium risk, whatever that means in your world. And I need to have a backup plan that I design and exercise. Uh, And I think we need to start thinking of that like DR for our software as a service because, you know, we trust these guys. And what I mean by these guys is these third parties to keep their stuff up. And, you know, you may have contractual obligation for that, but if they get ransomed or ransomware or something else happens, regardless of what's in the contract, they still may go down and go down hard. And even though they owe you money, that may be inconsequential to the disruption to your business. And if that's the case, you probably need to have a backup plan. Yeah, absolutely. Especially for things like paying employees and and you know, certain other critical business processes. You're you're absolutely right. Um, you know, and and as well, different types of businesses I think are exposed in different in different levels. Like for instance, the uh, you know the the pediatric pediatrics medical uh, establishment here. You know, if, you, if you're a you know if you're a healthcare organization outsourcing some of your IT, you know, the stakes are higher for you, right? Because now it's it's not just your business, it's also the, you know, the data of your patients and, and possibly the, you know, the, the, the ability to deliver care to the patients themselves, like we've seen in some of the uh, the recent uh, ransomware attacks on hospitals that have, have caused them to stop, uh, stop taking new patients. Um, you know, but so so a couple of things that I did want to you know touch on in uh, this uh, article here is actually, we haven't seen a, a major flare up like NotPetya or WannaCry in some time. Now, granted, they're not really ransomware. Totally on board with that, but you know that I think the thing that concerns me most is these cases here. We're kind of what I would call pedestrian, right? They're they're a they're a service provider. They don't probably, except for a couple of those IT, the actual IT managed IT providers, they don't actually have connections into your network, and they're probably not going to induce risk on you as a organization beyond the you know the the non availability of the service they provide. But other comp you know, but the other types of IT service providers like you know these. You know, there, there was two examples here, uh, Corvell, and what was the other one here? Magnolia Pediatrics, I guess, is a is a full uh, full service IT provider. Anyway, you know these organizations they they actually do have full access in, in many cases into your environment. They have network access in. They have administrative access on your systems, and you know they they have the ability to kind of screw up. Your network, and we've seen that. We talked about this a couple of months ago with a piece of software that a lot of managed services providers use that had some vulnerability and was was uh, being used as a conduit into to deliver ransomware to, to their customers. You know, I think that's where you know we're going to. Speaking of concentration risk, I think that's where we're going to start seeing a lot of uh, new threats emerging, and and that says to me, you know, when we have partners that come in and manage and have some kind of responsibility in our network, we need to make sure that that they have their, you know, the right controls in place to 
prevent them from hurting us. But how do we know? How can we trust that? How can we audit that in a way that is believable and trustable? You know, so so it's a great it's a great question, and the only answer, the only reliable answer I can come up with, is that you have to establish some kind of a demark between you and them that gives you and it gives you some level of confidence, something that you manage or maybe you outsource to some other organization. But then it starts to, you know, I think at, at that point you start to probably dilute the benefit of outsourcing in the first place. Uh, but having said that, you know, <laughs> this stuff is getting pretty pervasive. Yeah. So, so the other, I guess the other point I wanted to make was these IT service providers are, you know, that they're, again, a concentration of risk. And it's entirely possible that it's not the provider themselves that has some weakness. It could very well be one of their other customers, right? And so a lot, you know, a lot of companies outsource their IT because they don't do it well and they, or, or they're, they're trying to save money. And so, you know, you're outsourced to uh, some, some kind of uh, out of control organization outsources to the same provider that you do and, and they impose risk on the outsourcer and then the outsourcer in turn creates risk on onto you. I mean, it's, it's just kind of basic epidemiology. So um, th- there is no magic. I mean, to, to the point that you were asking about earlier, there isn't a lot of magic. You can, you know, we, we all do the spreadsheet dance, right? And I don't know that that's ever really helped anybody with anything. <laughs> oh, sure. It helps the sales team get really good at answering objections. Fair. Yeah, fair. But, but uh, I mean, in terms of actual making sure controls are in place, because like you said, how, you know, how are you going to independently verify the answers that are provided? You know, you could ask to do a pen test of the company, but that might get expensive and political. Yeah, yeah. And, and probably not, uh, probably not the case. The other thing is, I know there are some outsource providers. Again, it's you know, it's all a matter of uh, of, of money that will, you know, that they will manage your environment, but they'll do it from a you know more or less a dedicated environment, an environment that's dedicated to you. They won't they won't use shared systems and and whatnot. And that really, that's probably the best the best you're going to get. But even then you have to wonder, well, you know, exactly how segmented is it actually? So, yeah, but I I don't want to, I don't want to kind of leave it like that. Right. Because I think um, for a lot of organizations, it makes, it makes good sense to outsource different things. Right. Because even, yeah. And this isn't a everyday thing for all. Yeah. You're right. It makes a lot of sense to outsource things and use software as a service. Just be cognizant of potential risk. Yes. And figure out, you know, don't be surprised <laughs> and and be scrambling if something were to happen to one of your SaaS solutions. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So we'll move on to our last story. And uh, you know, this is also kind of a ransom story, but not really ransomware. So that this is from ZDNet. And the title is City of Johannesburg Held for Ransom by Hacker Gang. This is a, a bit different type of story. There was, a, there was an interesting comment by the grug uh after this was uh you know this, this came to light you know that the 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 activities or the end game of 
of a of a group that's trying to ransom is is to get money. It's not to encrypt your files, right? That's just a means to their end. And so, so in this particular case, they've found a different means. And the means was they uh, allegedly uh, stole data from the city of Johannesburg, and they were threatening to publish the data publicly if they didn't get. I think it was three bitcoins. It was. I think it was four. Was it four bitcoins? Yeah, I mean, it was, yeah, it was they, a really small am- amount relative. Yeah, it was like thirty thousand dollars. Yeah. So and, wh- and they alleged that they still had plenty of access in with a number of backdoors and full ownership of the network, and right. you know they could do more nasty things. Right, and they they posted uh, that the adversary posted some screenshots of the what was allegedly the Active Directory environment for uh, for the city. Um, you know, the city for their part, they shut everything down. They did not pay the ransom, and to the best of my knowledge, none of the data was ever posted. Don't know why, or you know, no, no yeah, the, details beyond that. The bad guys had a deadline of October twenty eighth, which is come and gone. Right, and I was just doing some research for the story, and the most recent updates are a day or so ago, mainly saying that Johannesburg's like, nope, pounds down, we're not giving you money, but nothing about them posting anything. Right, right. So we don't know if that's because they didn't actually take anything, or they just figured they're not. It's not worth it. I, I, it's really an unclear, or maybe it's still yet to be released. Really difficult to know. But I thought, well, you know what else is interesting is that Johannesburg took things offline, but has been bringing things back. Yes. So I'm also awfully curious, what was their process to assure themselves that what they were bringing back online was clean of compromise and safe? We don't know. They haven't said that yet, but I would be very curious. Yeah, you know, they, the the uh, attackers alleged to have have said or that, that they were, in, quote, in control of everything in your city. We also compromised all passwords and sensitive data, such as finance and personal population information. And and I, I, I believe the way this was first identified was that um, the computers of some of the city employees actually had, you know, a ransom note on their screen. So... You know, it's not not simply just uh, posting on Twitter that hey, we you know we we have all the data for the city of Johannesburg. Send us thirty thousand dollars. Know, apparently, they they actually were inside the network for for some uh, period of time. So you know, again, the the, the thing that that um, that resonated with me again was that that post from the Grug that uh, you know this that the ransomware right now. Is, you know, is is the the way that the, the bad guys are trying to squeeze money out of victims, but it's really not the only way that can be done. And as you know, as the uh, the environment changes, we should expect that the tactics they'll use will you know will change. And by the way, I suspect that you know the the, the intrusion tactics are probably the same between both. You know, I'm going to guess it's. You know the normal phishing or drive-by you know, malware or open RDP or or you know some other uh, similar type thing. All all of these attacks can be kind of traced back to one of those that you know common, well-worn paths. But once what they do once they get in there is is probably going to change, 
and more for over time. And for example, once once we get really really good at at um, uh, mitigating the impact of ransomware, and there's a lot of stuff coming online. By the way, there's a lot of lot of really creative products that are doing this pretty effectively. You know, by this you know put, putting in uh, kind of canary files and directories and watching those canary files get get modified, and then that locks out accounts. And you know, so y- over time. The, the industry will, I expect, get pretty good at mitigating the impacts of ransomware. And so the, the adversaries are going to have to start changing their tactics. And so this is quite possibly a, uh, you know, something that we'll see in, in the future, which, which is more concerning, by the way, when you, when you think about it through the lens of like the GDPR, right? Because it's, um, you know, it's depending on the type of organization, you are this is conceivably uh, could have a pretty bad outcome from from uh, from that perspective indeed so well said yeah so uh yeah so you know it kind of goes back to the 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 fundamentals you know i certainly we need to continue advancing the state of the art and mitigating ransomware but i think we also have to continue advancing our ability to defend the initial intrusion in the first place and identify um, you know, and, and minimize the dwell time once someone gets in. And because if you do that, then you've, you know, you, you, you don't care so much ex- exactly what technique they're going to try to use to extort money out of you. So, yeah, there you go. Fair enough. Anyhow, that is uh that's the set of stories for tonight so uh so thanks all for listening yeah thanks guys hopefully we'll start to get on a bit of a more regular cadence now that jerry's epic month of travel has wound down for a little while and yeah. i'm feeling better so yeah hopefully you hear from us i mean i do have one more surgery coming up so i will disappear for a little while towards the end of this month i think it's not scheduled yet but hopefully it won't be too bad of recovery and you won't miss me too much. So the last, uh, the last of those uh, cyborg implants is going in. Huh? I'm really not supposed to talk about that. You okay. know that. <laughs> fair, fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Well. But how else am I supposed to go on secret missions with Airwolf if I don't have the implants? That's true. You can't control Night Rider with your mind if you don't have the implants, right? That's, that's what I keep telling my wife. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks everyone for listening. Have a great week, and we'll uh, we'll talk again soon. See you guys. Have a good week. Bye. Take care. Bye. <laughs>